Tonight we're continuing our uh, series on what makes the kingdom of God visible in our lives, an article by David Cornfield, which everybody should have. I accidentally put mine away, but that's all right. Everyone but me. Um, so, uh, tonight we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts, and luckily for our sake, uh, David Cornfield in his article did not define that, which is good, because all gifts are spiritual, and everything is a gift. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> everything's spiritual, and everything is a gift. Everything's a spiritual gift, <laughs> therefore, right? Um, so, what we're going to do is... Uh, let's read, uh, let's go this way. Teresa, why don't you just read the little paragraph of the article, of uh, the David Cornfield article about spiritual gifts, and okay. then we'll go from there. Okay. The kingdom of God is made visible in spiritual gifts. Can you see spiritual gifts? When the king ascended on high, he gave gifts to men, Ephesians 4.8. These gifts are the visible expression of the king's power released in the church. These gifts equip us to build up the body of Christ, the outpost of the kingdom here on earth, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. We show that we are the king's people through the loving use of the spirit's gifts in the church. Yeah, and it's actually much bigger than that. Uh, I guess he does kind of define spiritual gifts used to edify the church, which is true, uh, but it's not limited to that, which we'll see. So, uh, again, I somehow managed to, um, I actually took a 12-part series and confined, confined it to three-quarters of a page. Well which means, uh, so this is only an introduction to a much larger study on God's gifts and how to employ them. Uh, so if you want to listen to the podcast and have uh, multiple outlines, at least 12 outlines or something, uh, sent to you via email, then email me or Deanna at the email addresses provided at the bottom. Because we're just tapping into something. We're like in everything we've been doing so far. This is the fifth week um, of going through this article as a supplement. And these are only introductions to ideas that you can continue to study for the rest of your life. And you should. And then don't only be doers of the word, but, or hearers of the word, but doers. You could be doers of the word, but be hearers too. <laughs> but you probably need to hear first to be doers. That's what Paul said. So, um, so this is like a huge topic that we're gonna try to condense and just try to understand some basic things on the topic of spiritual gifts or gifts in general um, and the different gift classifications. But what we're trying to understand today is, first and foremost, all gifts are from God, right? If it, if it wasn't given freely, then it's not a gift. Then it's owed to you. All things are given freely. All things are from God. All gifts, all things are gifts from God. Right, that's the basic reasoning that we'll get into and we'll uh, talk about. And then uh, gifts are used for service. Um, most people, or at least westernized Christianity, is very individualistic and self-focused. So they believe, uh, and you can tell this by their fruit and their way of life and their attitudes and motivations, is that God give them give God give them a gift. God is giving them gifts 
to make them healthy, wealthy, more prosperous, and to better their lives and make them more happy and have their best life now. That is an underlying aspect of the faith message, prosperity gospel, um, that to some degree is rooted in a lot of Western Christianity that we all grew up in, except for Anvesh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you're here now, so you're still called to know and fight the fight, right? So we're going to see uh, that everything God is giving us is for us to utilize in service and how to do that. So then we're going to hopefully understand uh, there are a variety of gifts to employ, and we're just going to look at the different gift classifications in the Bible um, from uh, various aspects or different uh, just classifications. I'll leave it at that until we get to it. And we're going to look at that uh, we should not be ignorant of gifts but pursue them. Uh, it's not like something that we can just be ho-hum about or anything. And if we, I put that last because if you utilize all three of these mindsets as far as all things are gifts from God, their first service, and there's different classifications, then to not be ignorant and pursue them means to pursue a calling, means to walk in what like I'd call the New Testament lifestyle, to be like it would cause you to be more involved in the local church, everything we talked about, you know, in the last three weeks. Um, like we talked a lot, a lot of last, what we talked in the last three weeks were like church government is a gift from God used for service, right? That's part of it. Um, so we'll look at, don't be ignorant. Don't, don't not pursue them. So let's continue going to the left. So Sydney uh let's just talk for a little bit about all gifts uh are from god um read that james 117 and then anvesh uh john 327 please john 327 so unless it's given to them they can't re they can't receive anything unless it's given to them you have to be given something to receive mm -hmm. right So every good gift is from above. Every good gift is from God. There's no variation in them, uh, and everything comes from them, right? So everything from God is a gift. So we're going to look at, like, there's even, we're going to look at a couple different uh, gift classifications here, um, and then we're going to break down some of those even more. So there's general gifts, right? Um, so Adam, read that Matthew 5, 45. Yeah, so if you didn't know this, um, it rains in places where people don't obey the gospel. They have the ability to produce food and labor, and they don't know God. And God's still sovereign and in control and gracious enough and loving enough to supply that to them. Wow. <laughs> right? Not a huge insight, but... Um, but this, this is like, you know, just talking about like general gifts, because um, when we look at specifically gifts within the church to edify one another, um, due to probably like our lack of Bible knowledge and study, you know, people will say like someone has like the gift of love or the gift of art or music. And yes, that's true to some degree, 
Um, but that's not necessarily a gift classification from the Lord specifically to edify the church. Right? And we'll see that when we get to the specific ones for edification. Uh, but everything from God, life, creation, knowledge, atheist, no things. This is like the funnest thing about like presuppositional apologetics is when you talk to an atheist, they know they know things. They can know things. And they can be right about things. But they just don't have any foundation to know anything in their worldview. They just can't uh, actually have a reason why they know things. But they could still know things, right? So, um, you know, we also call this like general grace. Um, that like the earth belongs to the Lord and the fullness thereof. All people belong to him and the people, or Psalm 24, uh, the whole world and all people who dwell therein. Like all people belong to God. The whole world belongs to him. Uh, it's by his grace and a sovereign gift that we have anything, right? That's not too like revolutionary for anybody, is it? Is anybody just finding that out? Pretty cool, man. Welcome to reality. <laughs> All right, so then uh, fruit uh, is another gift from God. So, uh, Jonathan, why don't you read Galatians 5, 22 and 23? And there's different kinds of fruit, so we're going to look at just a couple of them real quick. Yeah, so the fruit of the Spirit, like, doesn't say the... Uh, unmerited, supernatural, infused instantly, overnight gift of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Like, yeah, you could be changed in a moment, but it's the fruit of the Spirit. Um, that's a pretty popular verse. But does anybody know uh, in direct context of that Galatians 5 how to get the fruit of the Spirit? How to get more fruit of the Spirit? What do you think, Sid? Well, just answering that, Paul's, Paul's kind, of, kind of presenting a comparison of the flesh and walking by the Spirit, and that walking by the Spirit is what produces these fruits. Right, so you're continuing to walk by the Spirit. It says walk by the Spirit. If you live by the Spirit, if you keep in step with the Spirit, right, the more you're in step and walking by the Spirit, and you have to understand biblically what that is, right, then you'll produce the fruit of the Spirit. We actually won't produce more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control apart from keeping in step with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, obeying the Spirit, not walking in the flesh. That's how you get it, right? That's a, that's a fruit, right? You have to sow into it. Um, you know, we call that like Christ-like character. Um, what is, is it Hebrews? I can't remember if it's Hebrews 12. Yeah, it's Hebrews 12 that calls... Uh, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, or some translations say the pioneer and sustainer, or whatever, uh, you know, whatever translation you're looking at. But <clears throat> the point is, like, you know, uh, if you have a more, uh, I'm trying to stay away from, like, buzzwords uh, that make people angry. If you have a higher view of God's sovereignty, then you'll have a higher view of God's grace, a deeper view of your sin, um, and that will, like the higher you view God's grace and his sovereignty and everything is a gift and it's perfect from him and not even my faith and there's less 
of my decisions and it's more of God's decisions. Um, and I'm just trying to be an obedient to my master type of thing. Uh, the more you'll actually like walk in that character and recognize it and return glory to him, right? And you'll actually produce more of that fruit. Does that make sense? So, uh, so that's kind of just the fruit of like the fruit and gift of like God-like, Christ-like character. Um, so, John Luke, why don't you read John fifteen eight? Right, and then um, Byron, can you read Matthew twenty eight, eighteen through twenty? Yeah, so everybody knows the Great Commission, right? This is just one account of, uh, of at least, you know, three in the Synoptic Gospels of Luke and, and Mark also. So part of, like, bearing fruit in utilizing God's gifts and calling and, and everything is, like, part of that is reproduction. Like, uh, nobody was, like, too shocked, you know, a few weeks ago when I said, like, words have meaning, I don't think anyone else, I don't think anybody was like too shocked. But if you understand like the war um, of our age is like trying to take over and redefine words uh, is the war in our culture today, then I think you'll just get a deeper grasp and, and weight of that. Uh, and that like, you know, the Lord used specific words. When he said go and bear fruit and every seed brings forth fruit after its own kind, you know, and you also prove to be my disciples by bearing fruit. Like, that means, like, you have to understand the analogies and the word pictures and the images that the Lord used. And the more you understand them, the more you're going to get what he's saying more accurately. Or you can just believe whatever you want to believe, right? Uh, if you wanted to believe, you know, you can go off to something wild and say, and so, you know, be my disciples and so prove... Um, and bear fruit, like, oh, well, fruit's, like, tasty and delicious. And you can take it that way. But I don't think that's what the Lord was saying <laughs> at all, right? Yeah, I don't think we should uh, have oranges growing out of us. That means probably, or sitting idle a little too much <laughs> if you're going to sit still for that long. So, you know, fruit, like, a seed has to go into the ground. This is, you know, an analogy that, Christ used the seed has to die, be buried in the ground for it to produce any life. And, you know, look at Matthew 13, Mark 4, Luke 8, you know, the parable of the four, four soils, uh, only one of them produces fruit, right? The four, the seeds are scattered on four different types of soil. The sower stays the same, the seed stays the same, the, the hearts of men, the soils are different. But, you know, even if you grow up, the third soil is one that uh, seems to be a pretty healthy plant on the outside, except it doesn't bear any fruit, right? It gets choked out by the weeds. So what's the purpose of, a, of an apple tree that doesn't produce any apples? Shade? Firewood, <laughs> exactly. Like, that's about it. Uh, yeah, you might use it for shade or something, it might, but it doesn't intend the purpose for which it's created for. It's good for nothing. It can't even reproduce another apple tree to produce one apple uh, or another one seed to produce one other seed that could produce another apple tree that would actually bear fruit, right? Uh, apple tree without apples is absolutely worthless. 
right? So like, and uh, you know, that's an analogy of like, we have to be bearing fruit uh, in reproduction, right? And making disciples of like when John Luke was mentioning the EPDC, um, it would be like, it's a great task to evangelize somebody. If you don't with the EPDC, it's just a model for discipleship. Um, you know, if you don't evangelize people, they'll never come to Christ. But if you go to shepherding and pastoral care, that's great. And then you disciple them, you teach them how to do the same things you do. But if you don't go to the continuum, you don't teach them to go out and share the gospel and, you know, what Jesus did to make other disciples and follow you and learn your ways, as Paul says, over and over and over, then, like, Christianity is dead if nobody did that, if nobody did the continuum part, produced more, right? It would be worthless. Uh, but that's all a gift from God, to be able to, you know, make disciples and disciple them and have insights from the Spirit on what to say and know the Word deeper to disciple them better and to teach them as the Lord taught you in those practical ways. Like, that's all from the Lord. That's all a higher view of God's sovereignty, right? So, um, and then there's the last fruit we're just going to mention. So all of these, like every one of these points is a full study that we have. So I'm just throwing them out there uh, just to give you guys a taste. If you haven't gone, it's called the Employing God's Gift series. Uh, it's 12 parts, and it's very beneficial. Um, I usually, you know, after going, well, let's talk about this, then I'll get off topic later. <laughs> let's stay on topic, then I can get off topic. All right, uh, next we're going to look at fr fruits of deeds and influence. So, Dan, can you read uh, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, and then Jane, Titus 2, 11 through 14? And you guys can just read them back to back. Yeah, so good works that we should walk in them. If they're talking about good works, they said by grace and saved it, then why didn't it stop there? It said we are his workmanship. Yeah. They're talking about works. Yeah. Yeah, we're we from now until we make it to heaven. We're doing good works. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, we don't uh we don't get saved by grace and then just sit idle. <laughs> wait wait for the rapture or something. Mm -hmm. I was hoping it was like right after I came to Christ because then I wouldn't have to do anything. That's just out of my laziness, though, and unwillingness. <laughs> All right, Jane, you got that? Titus first. Yeah, zealous, like I just threw that, started at 11 because it talks about by the grace of the Lord saving us. It ends with zealous for good deeds, right? Mm -hmm. What does, uh, you know, Matthew 5 talk about salt and light? Right, so that you know, we'll be the light of the world, so that uh, others will see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. Right, that's the purpose of good works from now until uh, we die or until Christ comes back. Right, so I'm not going to get off topic yet. I made a note in my outline of when I can get off topic. Um, so, yeah, we got to go in order, can't get too off topic too soon. Um, so there's like, like the Lord produces us in us and it's by grace we've been saved, right? For good works, even as Dan read that from all eternity, uh, past that he prepared these good works so that we could walk in them. Like he laid it out for us. He prepared us. 
he knew it. He foreknown and predestined and knew uh, not just like in a theoretical sense, but actual good works and good deeds for us to walk in. That's a pretty high view of God's sovereignty and, and his grace, and uh, which is a higher view of um, his gifts, right? So, Deanna, can you read uh, just the First Corinthians 12, 4 through 6, specific gifts about uh, edification, which uh, as we get down into the variety of gifts, Anvesh went ahead and uh, did some self-government, and took it upon himself to write up, you know, the gifts according, you know, how this scripture lays out according to the uh, each person of the Trinity. Good. So there's a variety of gifts, and there's a variety of effects, and there's a varieties of of reasons why and how God utilizes those gifts in each person individually and corporately, right? Which we'll talk about. Um, so, getting off topic. Uh, so, I actually utilize, you know, after taking people, like, just in, this is just my personal preference, um, and I'll tell you my motivation for it and why I do it. Um, you know, if we're looking at, like, how to disciple people and bear fruit and reproduce, and, you know, uh, the reason why I get so excited about ecclesiology is because nobody else does. It makes me excited about that. Uh, like if everybody was studying ecclesiology, I'd be like, nah. I could just like learn from somebody else or something. And uh, it's just my own kind of, you know, internal motivation of, you know, liking to study things that aren't as popular today or make people tick or just like things that need to be kind of rediscovered and re-implemented. Uh, not that they haven't ever been discovered. It's just that the current state of what would need to take to, you know, restore the church, you know, why I love ecclesiology is because you'd have to study the church, and nobody's doing that, um, at least not in the last hundred years or more, in a good way, um, or in a comprehensive way. So, um, like I said, this is just like a really, really, like we're breezing through 12 outlines tonight, <laughs> 12 separate outlines uh, so this is just an introduction to a bigger series called Employing God's Gift. And usually after taking people um, through like the baptism of the Spirit and, you know, just like basic introductory things on like the gospel. And, you know, after they've been like somewhat covenant members and they're starting to see the bigger picture of GCF and RCF, then I usually take them through this series uh, just for the fact that, like, how do you walk in, like, New Testament way of life and become part of the church and an, and an intricate member, uh, like, outside of using what God has already, like, gifted you and called you for? It's really, really hard. Like, um, I just had a conversation with somebody earlier, like, you know, there, uh, we now have, like, three people in the church who are, like, pretty good at art. And, like, we don't have any artistic people besides, you know, uh, Amber, Solomon, and, and Joshua, and you know, those are a type of gift from the Lord that he's gifted them with, but like, how do you actually like, utilize that in the walk that out for God's glory? Well, there's a lot of ways within the church. There's not a lot outside. <laughs> you know, um, whether it's like using it to make you know practical things like flyers, 
which we need some, nobody, no, none of these artistic people are here, so you can tell them later uh, that we need them to design flyers and get away from these like very basic flyers. Uh, and we need some art on them, uh, you know, and we need like, you know, people to artistically use their talents um, for other materials and for, to beautify the church and to get, you know, rid of these plastic stained glass windows that we have and, and get something else that looks better and, um, you know, but like outside of like, you know, you're just going to have to use it for like recreational purposes uh, outside of the church. Like you're going to have to stay busy drawing something for no purpose or just because you like it. Maybe not with no purpose. That's probably a little preemptive to say, but uh, you have to find another purpose to to utilize some of those gifts, right? So, um, you know, the reason why I take people through this series and then extended, like, the whole series after taking them through, like, the baptism of the Spirit is because, like, if God's calling them, like, God is calling them to a church, to a body of Christ, to be utilized with other members that might not be us, and that's okay. But uh, they are going to actually develop and know their sense of calling and purpose from God more specifically the more they get involved in their church community and become intricate members of the body of Christ. And this whole series is partially designed for that, right? So uh, that's my off-topic spiel. So this is one of like the, I like to take people through this, you know, uh, after knowing them for hopefully less than a couple months and, you know, developing their sense of purpose and calling from God and how to utilize that. And if that's like vacuuming, I love that because we need more people to vacuum and take out the trash. No? Okay. Uh, just throwing that out there. <laughs> um, man, that's, that's just my gift. I'm called to it, I guess, <laughs> for a while. Um, Oh, here's the next thing. That brings us right to the next uh, thing that we're hoping to understand. Look at that. We've already been through five outlines already. Um, this is nuts. Uh, so, like I said earlier, like, you know, uh, we'll read these verses and we're going to find out biblically that this is true, but the kind of milieu of the day is that God wants to give you gifts to better your life, to make you more prosperous, to make you more happy to make you more content, and that's as far as it goes. That is not as far as it goes. That is partially true, uh, but also, like, God wants to give you, like, suffering as a gift, uh, <laughs> but that's not necessarily going to make you uh, more prosperous or wealthy or necessarily happy, but it will make you more joyous because uh, Scripture says rejoice when you suffer in the Lord because you can count it that you suffer the same as Christ, and that's pretty honorable. Uh, but that's not exactly the faith or prosperity gospel, <laughs> right? All right, so um, where are we at? Jonathan, can you read First Peter 4.10? I actually don't have these in a very good order. I should put them in, like, not this order, but if you read First Peter 4.10, Morgan, can you read Acts 20.24 and... Austin, can you read Philippians 2.17? I mean, we can just read them all back to back and talk about it for a while. Wait, did you give me 
Yep. Acts 20, 24. That was like Morgan was doing it. I don't know. You're doing yeah. Did yeah. I skip you, Kyle? Oh, I'm sorry. So. Okay, yeah, you do the Philippians and we'll come back to because then we'll get you on the next one. I do. You want some? You can't receive unless you ask. That's biblical. All right, go ahead. Uh, where are we at, Jonathan? All right. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of the manifold wisdom of God. Thank you, Stephen. I will try Welcome. to do so. We're talking about gift series. Apparently, dumb is it. All right. <laughs> Kyle, why don't you read that Philippians 2.17? Even if I am rejoiced with you all. Yeah. So Paul's just saying his whole life is being poured out as a drink offering on the uh, altar of the Lord for sacrificing for others. Build them up. Like the wine on the uh, when I killed the lambs to the gospel of the grace of God. Yeah. So you know that's just I'm trying to get more succinct verses to make the point that uh, Paul's saying that his whole life is a sacrifice to God, right? Like Romans 12, uh, you know, offering yourselves as a living sacrifice, which is your spiritual worship uh, to God, right? So. Uh, most people should know this. What's our th- like? Every Christian has three areas of ministries of ministry. What are they? Who who do we first minister to? God, Father, God, right? Yeah. So, what's our ministry to God? Church, our calling, worship. Worship. What do you mean? I'll take that one because that's probably the uh, more encompassing answer. Doing what? what? Doing what? Singing. Singing. Okay. Yeah. And then um, there's the life um, worship side of it, which is what Teresa likes talking about. <laughs> uh, that everything that we do, like our vocation, our friendship, our calling, like it's all for the Lord. Yeah. Everything we do is worship to God. Everything, right? So to more accurately quote that Romans 12, uh, which brings in the mercies, grace, gift of God. Um, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, or uh, like the King James says, your reasonable worship. Um, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, right? So just as Paul was saying, like, he's pouring out his life as a drink offering, like, worship is not, like, contained to any time, any day of the week, any area of life. There's no time during your day, even in your sleep, that you should not be worshiping the holy, triune, eternal, omniscient, omnipresent God. Right, but you guys are so sinful, you guys sin in your sleep. <laughs> Not me, though. <laughs> I don't sleep, <laughs> so I don't sin. Uh, 
Uh, Daniel actually had a pretty funny testimony about, uh, it's too bad Daniel's not here today. Uh, Daniel Williams, we got other, other Daniel here, um, Daniel Shell, but uh, he was actually, I forget what the... I didn't used to be workable, but now I am thanks to Jesus. That's right. <laughs> so uh, you can ask Daniel for the whole testimony. I forget what it was about, but he was like memorizing some verses before he went to sleep. And then he had a dream that he was about to commit some sin or something. And then he quoted the Bible verse in his dream, in his sleep. And I was like, wow, dude, you're like, teach me. Like, <laughs> that's another that's what, Yeah. I'm not on that level where, like, I'm fighting off sin in my dreams. <laughs> I'm just like, well, I, I, I dream about sin. <laughs> like, all right, so our worship to God is everything, everything we do. Whether you eat to the Lord, or whether you eat or drink, eat to the Lord. That's why we need to restore a theology of partying. There is no. That's, 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 the, that's next week. We should, no. If I, ever, if I ever did get time, just as a, even more off topic, there's a lot of things that I would love to uh, address and study like uh, partying or something or whatever uh, to just gain a better theology of it, of how to honor the Lord. Uh, just because it's not, nobody talks about it. Like, whatever. Yeah, Jesus partied. That's pretty clear. Celebrations of biblical concept and mandate. Yeah, it's mandate. <laughs> but for another week. So, our first and foremost area that every Christian is called to is minister to God, and that encompasses your whole life. What's the second one? His church, right? Specifically the church that you're called to. Um, I'm not specifically called to serve uh, any church in West Texas. It's kind of hard. Uh, you know, so how do we minister um, within the church? Just in broad concepts. Service. Service? Like what kind of service? Uh, just whatever the church seems to be done. Okay, like what? Trash vacuuming. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Who wants to go change the trash later? Uh, nobody. Right. There's practical ways to serve the actual church and institution and building. Right. That's one way. That's a very important way. Cooking. Like Cooking. Those women that make our Friday night dinners, they slave over that. Discipleship. That's a huge one. Right. That involves like shepherding, caring, teaching. Um... You know, guiding someone, helping someone mature in Christ. That's huge, a huge way to serve uh, within the church. Um, what else? Tithing, that's a, yeah. That's, I actually didn't think about that one when I was doing this, but that's a good one. Um, it's a great way to serve the church and a mandate. Anything else? Yeah, corporate worship, a corporate, you know, developing a corporate anointing and, um, you know, that would be outside of like, not necessarily discipling anybody. So, um, worshiping together, Submission prayer to one another in respect of the spiritual authority, or like the yeah. God ordained authority. Yeah, I guess I mean yeah, that'd kind of be part of, uh, or that could be part of discipleship, whichever way you want to look at it. So yeah, um, and we'll look we'll look at those things a little bit more specifically in the variety of gifts employed. Um, so yeah, you're next called to like serve the church in whichever uh, 
aspect and respect you're called to. Everyone's called to make disciples. Everyone's called to bring people into the uh, body of Christ. Everyone's called to serve in some aspect of whatever gift and calling they have. They all are called to serve one another, right? As good stewards of God's manifold or varied grace. Right? All right. What's next? What's uh, That's two areas. First God, then the church. What's the third area? Unbelievers. Unbelievers, the world, the rest of everybody else. Right? So how do we serve uh, through our gifts uh, the world and every, everybody else? The way you went to church. Was it? The way you went to church. Discipleship. Yeah. Uh, prayer. Yeah. So, uh, you know, evangelism, bringing them in, service. What about stewardship? Stewardship of? Like money. Yeah. So uh, how does the world, like, you know, so after, just so everybody knows, um, I'm going to try to wrap up this kind of series on this David Cornfield article <coughs> in four weeks. I actually looked at the calendar. Um, and then we're going to start the pretty much, uh, it's an adaptation of a uh, thing I did just for RCF over the summer two summers ago called the Fishers of Men series to prepare everybody to go out and make disciples and especially evangelize and share the gospel. Uh, and we're gonna start, you know, systematically organized, start sending people out two by two, uh, not just in Wright State, but in Dayton uh, to evangelize. So, All right. get ready for that. Uh, that's just a, a foreshadowing of what's to come, which I'm really, I'm more excited about that than going through this because that's more where my, where my gifting is I'm just trying to keep you guys busy and out of trouble for a couple hours every Tuesday um, so besides um, so think of uh, the Great Commission right? what Byron read uh, go out and make disciples of all nations what's the first way we normally think about that what's the first thing that comes to mind how do you nations. disciple Oversee missions when they think of going to the world. Right. So, what does that normally entail? Um, like building churches. Like a lot of them will like you know build a well, or just give general supplies like a Christmas child. You know. Like yeah, kind of like relief and aid. Right. That's a lot of what world missions are. You know, today, but they'll also you know a lot of times establish churches and and preach the gospel. So those good works, right? that the world would see that's what we would call like lifestyle evangelism, um, which is why I mentioned the, you know, equipping everybody for evangelism, because there's two types. We're going to learn how to proclamation evangelism, uh, but there's lifestyle evangelism. There's tons of verses about, you know, 1 Peter 3, 16, um, and it talks about like when those who revile you because of your good behavior, or when they revile you because of your good behavior, let them be put to shame, uh, because... Uh, they see your good works or they know your character. I forget, I'm not quoting it you know, perfectly, but it's, uh, you got it, Dan? But the Bible said, you leave your environment to be like money or something like that. Um, I'd have to read it in context, but I think that was Christ, right? Talking about, uh, you know, leaving everything for the sake of God, right? Like Luke 14 talks about, like, you must first hate your father and mother, your wife and children, your brother and sister, yes, even your own life. For, right. 
No, he doesn't want you to actually hate people, yeah. right? That would go against everything else biblically. But yeah, where's your right? Where's your priority? Yeah. Um, you love God so much, your love for them basically looks like hate. Yeah. Yeah, so bringing it back, you know, as far as, like, works to the outside, like, they should see, the world should see, uh, you know, what we're doing. They should see our good works, missions, like that. But what's the next part of, like, you know, not just discipling individuals in the nations, but discipling entire nations, right? How? Teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Right? This is why, like, studying on antinomianism versus theonomy is so important, because you can't teach the nations and actually disciple people individually, corporately, nations, the world, in the church, out of the church, to any real effective degree without teaching the law of God, without teaching them to be obedient to what Christ said. It's right? It's not about righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a national way. People say it way, right? at home, and then it goes out. Yeah, just as we did the... Uh, Seven, seven institutions, yeah, it has to start, but, you know, we're going to disciple the nations. The nations are going to stream to us. That comes from the law of God, right? I found First Peter 16. Do you want me to read it? Yeah, go ahead and read it. Okay, it's kind of a split-up sentence, and it's going to start in... Uh, or just start in 15, uh, where it says, Sanctify Christ in your hearts as Lord. Because this will give you proclamation evangelism and lifestyle evangelism. Yeah. So when they revile your good behavior in Christ, they'll be put to shame. Why? Because, like, there's nothing to be put to shame for, right? So live in such a way of holy, uh, you know, discipling the nations by the word of God. Have that, like, imitate me as I imitate Christ kind of thing. Uh, be it, and then call people to do it, right? So um, how else can we... Uh, use our gifts of service and minister and min use ministry to the world, to the lost. And work. Widows and orphans. Widows and orphans, okay. Mm -hmm. Work. Like, so many of us work with unbelievers. I know I don't go to a Christian hospital. Like, I deal with unbelievers each and every day, and I literally minister to them by, like, bathing them and taking care of them. So. Yeah, so that's part of good works. I'm just kind of, I don't actually have any other ideas. I'm just throwing mm -hmm. it out there. <laughs> what do you mean by orphans and widows? That's kind of part of good works, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, those that are specifically victims of circumstance, and I think that that's why when they say pure religion. Yeah, I don't think we need to have anything in common to help anybody out. If uh, Yeah. We need help. I guess we have that in common. Right, I guess nothing uh, naturalistic in common. All right, so that puts us through like six outlines. That's like, we're, we're moving right along here. This is the big part. All right. So, uh, you know, after we establish that uh, the ultimate sovereignty of God, that everything is a gift from God in every aspect, in every way, we have done nothing on our own good works or out of our own uh, flesh. And all those gifts we're supposed to utilize for service. And what that encompasses, now we're going to look at the varieties of gifts, that there are a variety of gifts to employ. So, start with Austin, um, at Romans 12 through 12, 3 through 6, you can just read the first part if you want, 6a, and Josiah, Romans eleven twenty nine. 
who teaches and is teaching. All right, Josiah. Uh, Romans eleven twenty nine ESV for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. All right, so that Romans, I threw that Romans in there. It's actually, if you know a little bit about Romans eleven, it's the calling of uh, Jews uh, into the coming into the fold of Christ and. And he kind of throws that in there that for the Jews that the, the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Um, and I read that in context, but the truth of it is still applies. So in that Romans, we see that there's many functions within one body, right? Um, later, in I think it's you know verses like seven or eight, it starts talking about you know there's many there's one body but many members. You know that's where the idea of like many functions. Um, so here's my, I'm just going to throw out my kind of uh, theory that I think is mostly true that I haven't come across to be false yet. Um, so I think as we go through these, uh, um, we're going to look at three different gift classifications um, within how to employ within the church, within, I guess we could just say within service. Uh, that is to God, to the church, and to the outside world. Um, I believe that the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable, and but there is like something that you don't know of how much you can walk into that. So, um, like if someone's called to be a teacher and has a gift and calling of teaching, um, they probably experienced that before Christ. They probably didn't get this newfound gift uh, upon conversion, right? Paul was a teacher of the law before his conversion, right? He used that in his newfound motivation and newness of life and creatureness in Christ to use that for to worship God, to build the church, and to witness to the outside world, right? Um, so... My kind of, uh, I guess we'll just say theory behind it because I haven't gone too into it, um, is that like you probably experienced to some level and degree the gifts and calling of God on some level. And I think the more you do dive into God's means of grace in the word, the spirit, and the church, that you'll actually realize those gifts and callings and be able to walk them out in a more effective and fruitful way. So, um, so like, uh, like let's go into the seven motivational gifts um, or seven gifts of temperament. You know, the first one is prophecy. And so what gets confusing is we're talking about, if you notice prophecy or prophets or prophecy uh, comes up in every every gift classification. So there's three different terms or three different uh, types of prophecy we're talking about <laughs> with, the same, with the same word. Uh, so it could get a little confusing, but so, uh, so as far as like motivational gifts or gifts of tep temperament or maybe personality or like what drives the person, you know, the prophet of prophecy is the one that uh, has like a real deep desire to see like to newness, to call people back, to covenant faithfulness with God that goes out there, has a calling to go out and change things and restore things and has that, like, go get them personality, right? So that doesn't normally happen uh, just through, like, from my experience, you know, 
look at Paul, look at other people in Scripture, other characters. Um, that didn't happen after conversion, right? We'll look at Barnabas, who was called the son of encouragement, as, you know, one of the seven motivational gifts is exhortation. Uh, Barnabas was totally like an encourager. He was called the son of encouragement. He was, uh, remind me to just bring it up, but there's two notable things that he did that showed that he was like more, you know, uh, using exhortation and as that as a, you know, encouragement and gift than in his personality than we see other buddies. But, uh, so all I'm trying to sum up there is with the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable is that you have these gifts. I think they're given to you from birth, from the Lord, uh, in all three, or at least uh, the motivational classifications, I could say for sure. And you can actually walk in them more or less, which I think is being more or less, uh, I don't know if I want to say obedient, but let's just say, you say, yeah, I mean, but it's like, it's more of like grasping and receiving God's grace, if that makes sense. Um, or pursuing, yeah, which will look that you can't be ignorant or pursuing the last part. But, um, you know, so as we look at these, especially the first seven, um, you can realize those more or less through God's means of grace. So we actually don't need to go through 1 Corinthians 12, 6 or Romans 12, 3 through 8. There's many functions within the body, um, many members. So, uh, and that 1 Corinthians 12, 3 through 8 lists all of these prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, and mercy. Um, so let's just run through this. We already talked about the kind of the prophecy of the person who's motivated. Um, who likes to expose and eradicate sin. They're never really satisfied. They're pressing towards excellence, right? Look at all the prophets uh, or even the office um, of a prophet, although this isn't the office of a prophet. That's in the service gifts. Uh, but they all have this motivation for excellence, calling people back to God, eradicating sin, like striving you know, for higher goals, uh, you know, pushing people farther than they think they can go, Right? A little bit more uh, publicly bold and frank. Um, usually can be, you know, misunderstood as like too harsh or overbearing or unloving or something like that, um, because they're so adamant about like, you know, you need to obey God. You need to, you need to get rid of the sin. Like I'll, I'll help you. I'll punch you every morning if that helps. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know how that will help, but, <laughs> but I will. I will drive to your house. <laughs> I'm so motivated, John. I'll get John Bradbury to drive to your house and punch you every morning to help with your laziness. And that'll be a lot more motivating than if I do it. Because <laughs> he's a lot stronger, right? So, uh, you know, the kind of motivational gift of service. Think about um, uh, Dorcas in Acts 9. And I'll give two points, two hypothetical, unreal points that mean nothing to anybody if they can tell me Dorcas's other name. Tabitha. Tabitha. Morgan gets two points. It, well, so says Deanna. Oh, she said it too loud, so she's obviously, obviously she obviously doesn't get the points. Sorry, Deanna. Um, so, like, think about, like, her. All she did, was doing was, like, making, oh, she making cloths or tunics or something? Onesies? Yeah. That's probably what she was doing, was making footed onesies for the, for the saints. Um, although... I don't want to get it. 
This is being recorded. <laughs> um, why do we even, why is this even on the pop? <laughs> uh, because it keeps me motivated to stay on course. <laughs> um, so, um, the person who's like motivated by like service, uh, meeting practical needs, you know, uh, like you know the people who are motivated by service and have like the gift of service of like you don't have to ask them to take out the trash. <laughs> I'm always going to come back to taking out the trash uh, because we need more people to take out the trash. Sign me up. Theologically and practically. All right. What? <laughs> All right. Um, you know, but they're always looking at like, you know, what needs to be done next? Like, how could we help? How could we, you know, not just in like taking out the trash, but like, what's the practical needs that needs to be met next? Does somebody, um, they're just always looking for a way to jump in and not be the spotlight and help somebody else's ministry pretty much um it's usually short range goals you know when you look at practical things it's it's always like you know short range uh they're not visionaries by any any means um you know often a level of perfection uh and service and you know taking that to the next level and has a sincere desire just to to help in like realistic ways um and often uses like personal funds and will give of themselves of their time, their energy, their money, you know, uh, to that. So, uh, the motivational gift of teaching, which is different from the service gift uh, in the next classification of teachers, right? So you're going to see like a lot of overlap here. Uh, there's like an office of a prophet. There's an office of a teacher. There's an office of a shepherd that's called to be a teacher. Then there's a motivational gift of being a teacher. So uh, just so I'm making sure at least one person is tracking with me, um, Deanna's like, uh, time to study. Uh, so what, what do we mean by like, the difference between like, the office of a prophet and then like, the motivational gift of a prophet or, or a teacher, motivational gift of teaching versus the office of a teacher? I think the uh, motivation can be inside or outside of the church, but the office would be something within the church that is functioning in that position in the body, like consistently. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, and you might have just read the notes. Who knows if you're... No. No. <laughs> uh, so, you know, so go ahead, Byron. Right, yeah. You don't have to have the motivation to teach to be a teacher. Uh, well, this is recorded, so we'll just leave it there. Uh, that's going to be my, my biggest quote today is, <laughs> we're recording. Let's keep it. Uh, let's not say anything that anybody might twist the wrong way or might twist the right way. Uh, so, yeah, so, like, motivation is an internal. You don't have to be in a specific, like, I'm clearly in a position today of teaching. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think most of you, or a lot of you I know, have, like, a motivation to teach. If you have a motivation to disciple, then you have a motivation to teach. And it doesn't always have to be a matter of professor at Clara College, for example. Right. Yeah. So it's that internal, internal motivation that comes from your personality or is rooted kind of within your personality is what we're talking about. I think Byron put that 
Not good. So I know at least four of you are listening. Listening. Good. All right. So um, that's why you shouldn't chew gum and talk. Uh, so anyways, uh, so like a teaching motivation. These are the people who want to like, like seek out truth and love to research, uh, love the aspects um, you know, of, of studying and finding out, going deeper. Right? They don't always you know, practically have a way to work that out. They might always search for a way, uh, right? Everyone to some degree, like, you know, when you're studying something, um, you know, either in scripture or otherwise, like, loves to tell other people, like, like, I just learned about this. This is nuts. Like, you gotta, you, you gotta hear about this thing I learned about, uh, you know, like, cause they love, you love to hear, you love to tell people, you know, about when you go deeper, when you understand the truth deeper. So, you know, the motivation, you know, the one who teaches, teach in his teaching, uh, you know, that First Corinthians, I'm sorry, that Romans passage, uh, you know, these are the people that, like, love systematic theology. Like, I remember going through the systematic theology course, like, I know Josiah had this same experience, and most, a lot of you in this room have, like, that was the first time I ever studied anything doctrinally, and I was just like, like, I was like, hold on to your seats. <laughs> I was like, predestination. <laughs> like, what's real? You know, and uh, you know, I think that's why, like, you know, and Josiah is the same way. This is why Josiah and I stayed up uh, until 3 a.m. talking on uh, Sunday night into Monday morning is because, like, we love, like, apologetics and studying it and how you can know truth and reality and how do we know anything is real and how do we like, you know, I love researching like, systematic theology was like so enthralling for me because I was like, you can study every aspect of how people view something in scripture and uh, because of laws of logic, they can't all be right. They can all be right to some degree or in some aspects uh, and none of them can probably encompass all of the truth totally but some of them are going to be lend their ways more towards the truth. Some of them are going to be more biblically sound and accurate, and some are not. And I love doing that, and I still love doing that. Uh, it's like the most exciting thing in the world. Uh, and I hope everyone finds it at least enjoyable. Um, you know, but having like that teaching motivation, like they love to go deeper. They love to like not just look at like the generalities of things, but like what are like the specifics and how do you understand things from a different level and why do other people understand, you know, um, why do some people read the same thing and get something else out of it and, and whatnot? You know, that's the kind of teaching motivation. So the one who exhorts in his exhortation, so this is like think about uh, Barnabas, the son of encouragement, or uh, John Gray. If anybody knows John Gray, like uh, I once had him confront me about something, but it was so encouraging. It was it was incredible. Uh, like if you ever want some motivation, uh, if you ever want to feel good about yourself, go to John Gray and or call him up and be like, hey man, like I feel kind of sad. And he'd just be like, man, you don't need to feel sad. You're like the greatest Christian I know. <laughs> now me, like I'm I'm not doing that great, but you man, you are like I, like I've literally had him call me. And be like, hey man, I just want to let you know that like you're just like an example of Christ. And I'm just like, this guy's like, this guy's like <laughs> freaking me out. Like, what are you talking about? 
obviously he doesn't uh, obviously he doesn't know me that well no no but it's because he's like uh, it's it's because he's like super super encouraging and that's his motivation that's like what God has developed and gifted them in his personality and character right so you know think about Barnabas Barnabas was the sole implement the guy who the son of encouragement who when Paul came uh, to the apostles right uh, this is one thing that I got out of, you know, listening to Acts every day in January was like Paul was the like main means by God of like getting I'm sorry, Barnabas was the main means by God to get Paul into the apostles. They weren't really willing to accept him and they were still kind of standoffish because he was murdering murdering Christians. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but but Barnabas was the one like, no, like come on, like <laughs> Paul's great. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and Barnabas was the one that was like willing to step up and go to the apostles and say, no, 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 no. Like, look at all the stuff that Paul's done. He's like preaching in the synagogues, and we had to save him. We had to let him out of a window, and like, Paul's the deal, right? Which is kind of ironic because with the split between Peter and Barnabas, between uh, you know Paul and Silas, or is it Paul and Timothy? Uh, Paul and Silas Silas. Silas. taking, think Luke. Yeah, taking taking John Luke, right? So John Luke had fled before, uh, and, you know, Barnabas being the son of encouragement is the one that wants to... John Luke? John Mark. Mark. Whatever. Uh, uh, You're older than I thought. Um, You know, Barnabas was the one that wanted to restore John Mark, right? But Paul... And Silas were not willing to at that point. You know, it kind of gives like an idea that because Barnabas is the son of encouragement, that he was the one that was exhorting. And, and John Mark does get restored to ministry, right? And he does write a gospel, <laughs> right? So, uh, near the one who exhorts, um, you know, usually wants like practical applications for teachings and not extract like ways to practically work out like, you know, works and how to, like, encourage someone to practically meet needs or work out their faith, you know, not necessarily, like, you know, in a teaching aspect, it might be, like, more abstract and theoretical, where the person who exhorts is the person who's calling somebody to, you know, work it out in uh, in real life and, you know, wants to lead people in a, uh, you know, through their own life, an example, right? So the one, then Romans 12 says, the one who gives in their giving. Um, so the one with a giving motivation, you know, wants to meet like, uh, you know, practical needs. Again, kind of like, kind of like the service, but, you know, they're giving of their own self and their own uh, money usually and expending uh, a lot of their own uh, expenses, if that makes sense, right? So there's some person who could not necessarily like, you know, for the helping one, or I'm sorry, for the uh, service, like meeting a practical need, like taking out the trash, isn't giving, right, necessarily. Usually giving involves uh, much more material and sacrifice stuff, right? Um, So usually they want to feel like they're part of the team through their giving. Uh, Usually they're gifted with like, you know, uh, you know, wise financial decisions and they're usually a little bit more monetarily savvy. Um, you know, like, uh, there's a lot of people 
in our fellowship, or there's some people who are more, uh, you know, stewards of their business or their education or their money and give, you know, much beyond a tithe and give to other charities and uh, give to, you know, people that they've never known before, never met or charities that they, they know of but they aren't necessarily going to get involved in. Um, you know, usually don't make, they also usually don't make, you know, quick financial decisions, usually thought out and planned and, uh, you know, very wise. Uh, so next, leadership, you know, the one who leads, lead with zeal or lead with passion. So, uh, which is interesting because uh, I bring that one up a lot, you know, to, my, uh, to myself because then later in the same, just a couple verses later it says, uh, don't be slothful in zeal. You know, so the one that like, you know, the leaders are usually like the type A go-getters, let's go get them, bring along the people, come on, you can do it. Uh, like, you know, what I try to uh, work with is uh, I'm trying to be an idea guy and not do any work is <laughs> my main motivation uh, in leadership is like hey let's go do this and let's go do it now come on with me and then everybody else does the work and then I can just <laughs> sit back <laughs> but it hasn't worked out yet usually it makes me just do more work uh, I mean the leaders are the ones that's bringing along other people with them hey let's go grab this area like, let's like it meets a practical way for people to work out uh, their faith, right? Like the whole reason I want to start this evangelism teaching next is because uh, we're going to go start evangelizing, uh, like as a group, two by two, maybe two, two and three people at a time. Um, you know, usually I have some kind of levels of like organization. It's the it's the take charge, like uh, let's do this. Uh, and let's go get it, and let's go win the victory, and let's go glorify God, right? Um, you know, not as usually concerned with, like, the motivations of other people, right? Like, I'm not actually specifically concerned with, like, Anvesh likes taking out the trash or he's motivated to, but if he does, that's what I'm mainly after, <laughs> right? Like, Anvesh actually puts together the teams of people to serve after Fridays and Sundays, Right, and then Amber makes a list for people to serve on Saturdays of like just practical ways to clean the church. Uh, I'm sure you guys aren't as like, you know, if I came to you and said like, man, I just, you know, I'm not really feeling it. Like, I don't like, it's, you know, I can do it. I've got the time. I've got the energy to to clean after Friday, but I just, I can't. I don't. I don't have the motivation. I don't think God's calling me to that. I don't think you're going to let me off with that. Yeah, my heart's not really in it. I think I might want to pray about it. Uh, I'm sure you're not going to be like, no, no, that's cool. You're going to be like, well, uh, you could pray about it after you do it. <laughs> Just get it done, right? All right, and you know, uh, you know, the last one in in the Romans 12 for the motivational or temperament gifts. Uh, you know, the one who the acts of mercy. Um, you know, these are the people who are like more, you know, empathetic and drawn to to needy people. Like they're always looking for like a way to like, you know, in other ways, not just, you know, service and or leadership or something or giving of their money, but other ways to help needy people. They're like way more compassionate, way more like, oh, did you see like, you know, I saw uh, saw Morgan, you know, during worship and she wasn't smiling. So she might be sad. I might want to you know, I'll pray for her, like, you know, like, but there's no, like, you know, clues or something. Uh, she didn't say she was sad. She was like, 
Morgan might be sad, so I'm going to go pray for her or give her a hug or something. You know, they're much more motivated by, like, empathy and compassion uh, than, than anything else. Um, and instead of, like, they're more looking for, you know, the acts of mercy. They're not necessarily looking to teach anybody anything. They're just helping to, you know, like, give, if I can put this in brackets, spiritual aid. Like, if they're sad or depressed, they want to make them feel better. Uh, they're not looking to give them a 12-part teaching on sadness and joy in the Lord. <laughs> right? They just want to, like, give their, like, uh, you know, I kind of, uh, you know, like, Peggy Gearhart, I think is probably, I don't know her that well, but, like, she's always, like, you know, super compassionate, super loving. Uh, I think uh, she'd been there for, like, maybe came like two weeks and then little Israel Dickerson started calling her grandma. Uh, like, you know, you don't just like get that. <laughs> like that's like, you know, uh, totally through compassion and, um, you know, empathy and, and also cause she loves kids. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, but the, you know, there's also pitfalls to every, every one of these motivational gifts. So, you know, you could, tend to lack if you know this is kind of your motivation and in, in the character and gifting of God you could lack firmness and, and confrontation with people because you're always consulting them right so alright that's one of the anybody got any questions on those does, does that make sense with like motivational and temperament and kind of how that's rooted in your personality and that being from God right like everybody has like something of one of those seven or a mixture of those seven internally it's her more than like a calling Yeah, so that's exactly what we're getting into with the the next seven, which is uh, the seven service gifts, or I would call, call them the kind of, uh, they're not all offices, but they're all more office positions, not like in an office, like a work office. I'm talking about like in a, in a hierarchical position of administrating and doing something from, you know, a public standpoint, right? So uh, where do we leave off? Josiah, did you read the last one? I did. So let's just start from the beginning, because it might help a little bit, uh, especially with, uh, let's just go to Ephesians 4.11 for you, um, Teresa, and then Bethany, can you read 1 Corinthians 12.28? All right. In Ephesians 4, I'll listen, Christ, you want me to continue until I finish the sentence? No, that's good. Okay. Um, so let's take a break there real quick. So most people would call this the fivefold ministry. Uh, but there could be seven. could be a sevenfold ministry, and it probably is. Um, we're going to throw in two more, which comes in 1 Corinthians 12, 8. Go ahead. Sorry, yep. I no, you're cool. Like, Here are some of the parts uh, and those that can speak in unknown languages. Yeah, so these are all for building up the saints. So, uh, generally saying, you know, so these are all going to be used and utilized uh, for building up each individual person in maturity in Christ until they reach full maturity and manhood, right? So uh, that's how it would differ from motivation. Everybody has a specific motivation, but you're going to practically utilize certain gifts to serve one another to help them mature, right? So apostles, prophets, shepherds, teachers, evangelists are the five and Ephesians 4.11, then helps in administration um, or leadership, 
is uh, two we kind of tack on there. So let's talk about those seven real quick. Um, so I guess without putting any uh, scripture backgrounds or anything in it, uh, what do you guys think an apostle is? The kind of office of an apostle? Because most people would, there's, I shouldn't say most people. Uh, I like to explain that there's other teachings out there, although that's not always beneficial. Um, did you know that, that there's other, <laughs> other teachings out there? There are. Yeah. Yeah, an apostle means messenger, right? One who's one, not messenger, one who is sent. Um, so there's some groups of people that would say that the in this fivefold ministry, you know, in Ephesians 4:11, that apostles and prophets are no more. I'm not sure. Uh, I think that's just a inaccurate, non-active reading of scripture. Um, but we'll look into that. So, what would you guys say an apostle is? Someone who is sent. Right? Sent for what? What's that, Bradbury? Establish churches. We saw that all the apostles established churches, right? Spread the gospel. Mm -hmm. Spread the gospel. Teach. Because they all instructed. Uh, yeah, it definitely encompasses you. To start a church, you have to teach, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think an apostle, when we look, because Barnabas is called an apostle, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then it says in somewhere uh, where is it you know there's true signs of an apostle it usually comes with like miracles and signs and wonders um, which where is that Second uh, Corinthians 12 12 yeah the signs of a true apostle were performed among you uh, with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles um but you know i would classify like an apostle apostle as one who is like a church builder uh has a team so they have the um you know they have they kind of encompass all of these uh but they're like kind of the head guy that establishes churches builds a team plants churches sends people out trains people has to be able to teach um you know accountable still accountable to other others in the body of Christ um, but definitely has that uh, that motivation to go and plant and take new ground right mm -hmm. so what about prophets what would you guys put as prophets they look into the future or they prophesy about the so what about like we're talking about more of like of a, to build people up for the working of the each individual for the ministry so that's more of like the gift of prophecy by the Holy Spirit of like encouragement and exhortation but like a prophet throughout scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament is just someone who speaks to the people God's word yeah they just speak whatever God has to say it might be about the future it might be about their lives their sin or anything but it's it's God's word is the emphasis of it yeah what's that Bradbury it's not always completely accurate with what? When people prophesy, it doesn't mean that it's education purposes. Yeah, and that's more of like a, a gift of, like the, the charismatic gift of prophecy. 
So like the office of a prophet or like the prophet within a church to build others up is the one that's constantly calling people out, right? Just as we see the prophets in the Old Testament uh, all throughout, you know, first and second Kings are always like, uh, you know, calling people back to covenant faithfulness, right? There's the ones that are also going out and capturing new land and spreading the word, um, word of God, that is. Um, uh, and, you know, within, within the church, they're the ones that have that motivation and have that, you know, level of leadership of constantly calling people back to God and uh, for edification purposes, right? So, uh, who is the, I can't remember the prophet or the king, but there was one king that said he always hated that one prophet. Uh, could be. Uh, because he was always prophesying against him. Yeah. Who was it? Was it Ahab? Ahab, Ahab, Ahab and Elijah. Elijah. Mm-hmm. Or is it Nathan and David? Yeah. I don't think it was, I don't know. Either way. Either way, I think it's funny. Because <laughs> he was always prophesying against him. So apostles, prophets, shepherds. We just talked about shepherds like two weeks ago. What's a shepherd? Guards the flock. John Luke, what do you got to add to that? Well, what else? It's, it's more than that. Yeah, the one that kind of, you know, we have offices in the church called uh, elders, overseers, shepherds that guide us corporately, uh, that, you know, institute various things uh, within each individual's life to equip us better for the work of ministry and for maturity in Christ, right? And that works its way out, you know, practically in, in infinite ways, right? Teachers, this isn't too hard. They teach. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, what's that? Yeah. Um, she bit my tongue. Uh, uh, not metaphorically, literally. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we've got, you know, I'm not a, uh, you know, I'm no elder. I'm nobody of like any, you know, recognition, but I'm, I have some degree of teaching, right? Uh, you know, John Gray and is the same. So is Andy Gearhart. Uh, although they're being raised to to be shepherds, to be elders. So yeah, that's pretty. And it's all equipping the saints for the work of ministry, right? Exhortation. Oh crap! Read. Hold on. Uh, evangelist. <laughs> I was reading the wrong one. Uh, what's an evangelist? Okay. Anybody else want to throw? John Luke? Just talk out. You guys don't need to raise your hand. You guys can just like, speak up. Okay. Fishers of men. Like, they go out and gather. So, like, you know, if the shepherd takes care of the flock, the evangelist is one who goes out and finds other sheep to bring into the flock. Yeah. So, does anybody know? Uh, here's two more theoretical, unrealistic points that don't mean anything to. Who's the only person that's actually called an evangelist? Philip. Josiah's got two points, so you're tied with Morgan for the lead. And maybe if you get whoever gets the most points can take me out to eat later. 
So, there's your motivation. So, obviously, you guys don't have the motivational uh, gift of giving. Uh, whoever did would have like jumped up in there. So, um, when I get paid, Stephen, how's that? Okay. So, uh, what does Ephesians 4 11, 10 11 say that this an evangelist is for? So building up the body. So it actually has nothing to do, or at least it doesn't primarily have anything to do with going out and evangelizing. What? Has everything to do from what we can discern from that, uh, and because we don't have any other examples in scripture, is an evangelist is someone who probably equips somebody within the church to go out and evangelize. Hmm. Right? Like we're going to go through teachings for several weeks on how to go out and evangelize and I'm going to equip you guys to go out and evangelize, and we're going to go out and evangelize two by two, right? Um, at least trying to make an attempt at being an evangelist, because uh, that's what I get paid to do. <laughs> so I'm at least putting forth some effort. Uh, you know, but because of, like, like, this would make no sense. We couldn't continue, like, the kingdom of God would never expand, would never go forth uh, if we didn't have evangelists to go out and evangelize and equip people to go out and evangelize, right? Like what we talked about the EPDC, if we didn't get to continue them, it all falls apart in one generation, right? So it, this is, you know, specifically for equipping other people, right? But that usually gives, uh, you know, credit that they've gone out and done it, that they know what they're talking about. I don't necessarily listen to people who don't have a good uh, record, like, you know, I want to listen to somebody on how to make a budget if and you, if they don't have a budget, <laughs> right, or something, or financial, if they're not good with finances. All right. All right, so helps. What do you guys think as far as uh, helps? Where it is needed. Well, that's more the, so how does that equip the saints for ministry? Because we gotta, keep, we have to keep that like that's the whole purpose of these offices, right? I draw like a little box of like somebody sitting in this office for this role. So how does that equip the saints for maturing in Christ and for ministry? I guess it kind of, in a way, can be like you know, your season, like all that sort of thing. Yeah. So what's when we went through the? Yeah, that's actually that's pretty good. Um, so who is? Does anybody remember when we went through like a deaconess? Uh, talked about church government. Phoebe, what was Phoebe, like, what is, I think it's Romans 16, says that the church should do with Phoebe. What she says. Yeah, give her whatever she needs. Uh, and because I think it's within the context, if I remember right, uh, in that verse, someone could find it. I think it's Romans 16 something. Um, about like, give her whatever need she has because she's going to utilize you guys to give help and give uh, for other needs, mm -hmm. right? That's kind of what her role as a deaconess was. So, like, helps is someone who's, like, organizing, like, like I'm actually organizing people to help, to serve, to, to give aid, to, they're organizing people to go out and, you know, serve the uh, ministries, even long-term, you know, overseas ministry. You got it? Yeah, 16-1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of many, and with myself as well. Yeah. So I forget what what version you're reading. Yes. Uh, what is yeah? What, instead of 
patron. Is there another word that's used? Because obviously she was helping um, Paul. Nasby's right? servant. Servant, yeah. So it's pretty much saying, give Phoebe whatever she needs because she's been my servant uh, and she's been in service to me doing exactly what uh, you know, a deaconess would do or someone who's like motivated by helping and in mean practical ways. And now he's telling the Roman church, the church in Rome, to do the same thing, right? So Paul's kind of acting as in the office of helps to give her whatever she needs so that she can help, mm-hmm. right? KJB calls it helper. Helper? Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, administration slash leadership. Uh, we're only five minutes over and we're two-thirds of the way through Great. All right. Uh, administration. What do you guys? What do you guys think there? Delegator. Delegator. Exactly. That's what administration is, right? <laughs> right. Somebody. That's my. I don't know if I have an official title, but I put one in my email, and it says administrator. <laughs> that makes it official. It's in an email. Yeah. Uh, I'm also a. a a great trash taker outer. <laughs> I'm a great carpet sweeper. Sanitation engineer. Sanitation engineer. Love it. Uh, you know, so like, think of like, you know, uh, even though it's like, you know, Jason, as far as like, you know, some of the example that we can actually all, all pretty much know about, uh, or most of us, like Jason like administrates so much, not just like he's, he's motivated by it too. He got his MBA for a reason. Uh, and that's what he does in his job. Um, you know, he like totally delegates and finds the right person and knows who to delegate to uh, and gets people not just serving, but in uh, who needs to organize what things and, and everything, right? He's totally administrator. Um, yeah, and they usually, uh, you know, people have to listen to him. So they usually obtain some level of leadership and, and authority within the church and uh, you know just like any leadership you just kind of take it and people start listening to you right uh, all right nine charismatic gifts I guess we'll kind of fly through this since it's 835 um, Cindy can you read first Corinthians uh, 12 just the 11 or 7 through 11 and we won't talk about these too much because probably don't need to. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. ESV translation. Yeah. So I guess all, because we're lacking on time, you can listen to the podcast, read the entire outlines. This is like two or three outlines just in this, um, you know, that clarifies some of these. But these are all supernatural gifts given by the Holy Spirit. Um for uh, various reasons, for building up of the church. You know, uh, I would think foremost that we read of in 1 Corinthians uh, 14 um, and for and for ministry and for worshiping God. So, uh, and you can get more clarification about what exactly those are, but these are things that no natural man can do or know or operate in of themselves. These are all supernatural by the Holy Spirit. Okay. They were pretty, and you kind of know by their names, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, 
prophecy. Although I would just say go to, you know, prophecy isn't about predicting the future. Uh, it's about exhortation, uh, encouragement, and admonition. You know, discernment of spirits, tongues, interpretations of tongues, right? So, uh, walk on this. All right, so let's get to the point. Thank you, Yvonne Vesh, for writing all those uh, on the board. And, and, you know, if you look at uh, 1 Corinthians 12, like, I think it's 3, 4, and 5, or 4, 5, and 6. Yeah, 4, 5, and 6 to kind of classify those. There's a variety of, you know, gifts with the same uh, variety of texts, you know, with the same spirit and everything. But So, uh, Anvesh, can you read... Can you read 1 Corinthians 12, 1 and 14, 1? Yeah. So if you put those verses together, encapsulated by, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, all about love. Uh, like, so don't be ignorant. Don't be uninformed. There was one other one uh, that I was looking at today. I think it was the revised standard or something. I can't remember. But, like, you should know about these. Like the Bible says, like, don't be ignorant. Don't be uninformed. So inform yourself. That's right there in Scripture, right? Uh, and, you know, pursue love and earnestly desire or zealously desire, which is, uh, you know, I just wanted to go over that Greek word. You know, there's use, it's like a zealous, like there has to be like an outworking. It's not just like some intellectual, like, I really, really, really want it. <laughs> oh, man, I really want it. Like, if you really want it, you need to go after it. The same thing as pursue. You pursue love. You uh, you go after it. You work towards it. You uh, sacrifice your desires for uh, to be more loving and working that love out. Like the same thing with spiritual gifts. Uh, like you have to zealously desire them and work towards them and do whatever it takes to to walk them out. Like. God didn't just like give all these gifts in Scripture and these classifications and these ways uh, to which we could be built up in maturity to just like think about them and never like walk them out. Like uh, I probably spent too much time getting up to this point, but the whole point of it, it was <laughs> this is because uh, you can't put 12 teachings in one <laughs> very effectively. Uh, hopefully this will just whet your appetite uh, to don't be ignorant, pursue them. This should be like foundational things uh, for Christians, which is why, like, I put this in. Like, I usually take people through it after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or you know, even some level of a, uh, you know, just some kind of commitment to a body. Obviously, that's usually GCF because that's the only people I meet with. <laughs> uh, right? That's the only way it makes sense for me. But you know, anybody that shows any commitment to any body of Christ needs to. Uh, like utilize their gifts not be ignorant it's how they're going to walk out their newness of life serve God serve the church be a witness uh, and walk you know in the body right so uh, Adam can you read Second Peter 1 3 through 11 and we'll kind of try to wrap up there I promise it'll be done in like 45 we'll be done in 45 minutes <laughs> just one more verse <laughs> Bradbury's like <laughs> hey, I gave you that gum. You got to stay. <laughs> 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 Second Peter 1, 3 through 11. 
heart is granted to our Lord and Savior Peter. Yeah. So Peter gives like a very uh, brief overview of some basic concepts and says, pursue these things so that you'll be, uh, so that you won't be ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord. That's our goal is to be fruitful and productive in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And not to forget these things, but not, uh, I think that's the ESV, right? Uh, says supplement these things, but it means like, it doesn't mean like, you know, supplement, like start with faith and then this one, and then I'll work on this one. Now it means like work on all of these together and keep adding to them and adding to them and adding to them. Faith, virtue, or moral excellence, uh, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, brotherly love, uh, or brotherly affection, and love, right? And all of those are just like, you know, major concepts, uh, which I think we could encapsulate a lot of these gifts in building ourselves up and building each other up uh, in order to become fruitful and effective for the Lord, right? So let's do it. Who's ready? All right. <laughs> All right. Somebody want to uh, uh, close us in prayer, and then the snack queen will tell us what we got. Oh.